The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode on your Over the Monster podcast feed. Uh, we are back with you right after the Red Sox season comes to an end. Uh, Red Sox drop game six in rather lackluster fashion. Offense just got nothing going. It was a 5 nothing final. And uh, to talk about the end of the season, end of the series, uh, how things went here on Friday, it's uh, me, Matt Collins, and I'm with uh, Bob Osgood. And uh, Bob, what's going on other than, you know, the season ending? <laughs> Oh, you know, doing all right. I think as a whole, have to be happy with the season, but at the same time, a rough last three games, and uh, not exactly the the feeling that I was expecting when they were ahead two to one. So it's definitely it's bittersweet for sure. Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough kind of balance to strike. I think as a fan, and I don't know if it's one that we necessarily should feel obligated to strike, but um, I mean. Just like you said, the season was overall a net positive. It's hard looking at the big picture. Um, it's hard to really say anything negative about the season, but at the same time, the series seemed winnable. Um, they lost without offense on a team that's built around their offense. Um, it's disappointing. It's I think the disappointment will probably wear off more quickly than it would have in other seasons when the team seemed better and it seemed like they had a better chance to begin with. But uh, right here in the immediate aftermath, I mean, we're talking, it's been like 20 minutes or so since the last out, um, probably less than that. It's It's still disappointing for sure. Yeah, I think a week from now I'll have a different perspective on things. But uh, in the last, what, 26 innings, uh, they had one run, and it was on a meaningless home run down the line in Game 5. So it's really just, I think we're going to talk about, you know, individual players and decisions, but it's hard to just not look at, they just, the bats disappeared for 26 innings, and uh, it's hard to just, to accept that, especially the way that they were uh, hitting the ball for the first seven games, and specifically games two and three in this series. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, there were other things that went wrong in this game. We we're going to get to them, but they were all basically moot because of the offense. And I mean, the offense was frustrating to be sure, but I think I want to be a little careful about not 
taking too much care away from the pitchers. I mean, Luis Garcia was really good in this game, just like Framber Valdez, I thought. I thought Framber Valdez was better, but, I mean, it's probably picked nits a little bit. I thought both guys were very good. Um, I think when Garcia was missing, he was not missing over the plate, which was obviously his problem in the first the first time they played, and the Red Sox just teed off on him. And then the Red Sox kind of played into his hand, and that's what we've seen from them all season is that when they start to go bad, the at-bats just start to get awful. They start to swing early in the counts. Um, there was one specifically that stands out in my mind with Rafael Devers. Um, I don't remember the inning, but it was basically the first. It was, uh, I think it was the sixth after Kike Hernandez tripled. They had a guy on second, and Devers swung at the first pitch and popped it up. And I mean, that's that's when you know the Red Sox are going bad. So I do think they fell into that trap. But as much as I hate to give them credit, to me, it was. At least these last couple games, it was a lot to do with the starters. I mean, Garcia in this one and Valdez um, in Game 5, I thought were both incredible. Yeah, you're right. And we probably should start there, especially with the last two games. And in the season, in the series preview, we talked about McCullers and Valdez and Garcia and what they did during the regular season to the Red Sox bats. And the opposite happened the first two games, but these last two games were exactly what we were talking about. And Garcia, uh, 40 swings by the Red Sox hitters, 18 of those were whiffs in this game. They didn't get a hit until the sixth inning. I mean, he was just absolutely dominant. And like you were saying, you know, they in the first couple of games, they were able to lay off of pitches out of the zone, get into good counts, and crush mistakes. And both pitchers just came in with a different, whether it was, um, you know, different mindset or they were just more effective. I mean, with Garcia, you know, he really gutted it out after that leg injury in game two. It was good to see him <laughs> pitch into the sixth here. But um, happy to see him just standing up here. I know. I didn't even think he would make it to the mound. Um, but just, yeah, I mean, he, he was painting corners. His fastball was really good. His cutter was great. Uh, you know, threw a few sliders, but it was mostly those two pitches that uh, just generated a, a ton of whiffs. I mean, the cutter specifically, the 13 swings of that pitch and 12 whiffs, according to Baseball Savant, which is a, an insane, unheard of rate. So, yeah, he was great. Valdez was great. And they did not have to go to any of their, um, you know, in-between pitchers at all. I mean, they went right to Grayman and Stanek and um, Presley. And that's just all they needed. They were able to go right to those pitchers in games uh, five and six. And, um, you know, that that's a credit to the starting pitching performances. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, this is this is what Keaton kind of hammered in on um, in the series preview. And it's something that yeah. we saw in the first half of the series was getting them out early. And then, like you said, getting to that sort of middle part of their bullpen. They're very similar to the Red Sox in that their middle part of the bullpen is not very trustworthy and that's where you want to get. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a mixture. It's never one thing. It was bad at bats from the Red Sox, but it it was also good, um, good pitching from the Astros. And I mean, it's kind of hard almost to talk about a game like this because it wasn't like there was one guy who just didn't get it done. It was everybody. Um, I mean, Schwarber, Devers, Bogarts, Martinez, all going hitless. Martinez to draw a walk, but um, I mean, just that's the meat of your order and you're not getting anything out of those guys. Um, and then the bottom of the order, Cora kind of had to deploy his entire bench. And I mean, I guess that's where the first bit of controversy in this game came in, um, was in the sixth inning. Red Sox were down one, nothing at this point. Um, they didn't have a hit yet in this game. Um, 
and Kevin Plucky was set to lead off. Danny Santana gets the first call off the bench. He's pinch hitting, and it, this was this was the second time he had been used as a pinch hitter. But this was the worst move I thought Alex Gore made in this whole playoff run. And there's there's probably some recency bias there, but I mean it was just bad on multiple levels. First and foremost, Danny Santana is a bad major league hitter. He's one of the very worst uh, hitters in the majors who has gotten consistent time over the last few years. I mean he's just not good. And on top of that, he's your pinch running option, and you're taking him off the bench first to hit and taking away the possibility of needing him to run um, later in the game. I mean, it was, like we said, it was all moot because the offense didn't do anything. It is, it kind of is what it is, and um, it's hard to put it on anything but the offense. But that decision, especially at that time, trailing by one run, that just felt like an inexplicable move from core, one that's really hard to defend. Games can unfold differently depending on what happens, and that's a leadoff hitter in a one-run game in an elimination game, and we're looking at Danny Santana. I couldn't believe it. Um, You know, we get so obsessed sometimes with lefty-righty, but this isn't a major league hitter, and he's up in that spot, and he has not been in games for months. Um, You know, just if if that's the catcher spot and you're not going to make another move in the inning, then go right to the catcher, go to Vasquez with yeah. Evaldi out of the game at that point. I mean, that's why Ploiecki was playing. So you either give that at bat to Ploiecki or Vasquez um, over Santana there. I totally agree with you there. Did not want to see him, especially where they had not had a leadoff hitter on um, all game, except for, uh, I guess, Schwarber got on on, a, on an error, right? Uh, or wild pitch in the out. first inning, right? Yeah, he yeah. struck out to start the game. But <laughs> yeah, so that base, doesn't so really that was, count. So they yeah, really had not had uh, a leadoff guy on all game. And if you thought Santana was going to be that in the sixth, then uh, I just don't think that was the move. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I would have probably – I probably would have stuck with Pulaki, Or, I mean, you can go with Vasquez too. Vasquez at least uh, makes a decent amount of contact. And it's it's the nine spot too. It's not just the leadoff. It's the nine spot so you're hitting right in front of the top of the order. And um, – Kike Aaron has had a triple in that inning. And again, the whoever you're sending up instead of Santana probably isn't getting on base either. Let's just be honest, just the way this went. I don't know that Ploiecki or Vasquez um, I'm feeling great about either, but I'm feeling at least better about it. And it's just all about putting yourself in the best position. So um, that one was frustrating. And I think it also, I mean, as the game went on, we kind of, Got a look at a weakness that I think a lot of us, myself included, probably overlooked. Um, probably should have paid a little more attention to just how bad this bench is. Um, yeah. They just didn't have many options. I mean, they had better options than Danny Santana because basically anybody in the majors is a better option than Danny Santana. Right. But those options are Travis Shaw, Bobby Dahlbeck, Christian Vasquez. And I mean, not only is that not great offensively, but defensively it makes things challenging when two of those guys are first baseman so Bobby Dahlbeck had to end the game playing second base um I just we're not going to spend too much time looking forward here but I think one of the big points of emphasis looking ahead to next season has to be the depth and the bench uh for the position players yeah Shaw Dahlbeck Plawecki Santana it was it was not a good bench and you're right it didn't really uh present itself until 
you realize that we needed them. Hitters like Arroyo and Renfro, or Renfro, who just simply weren't getting it done the whole series. You, you didn't have many options. You could have, I guess, started Dahlbeck and played Schwarber in left field, who really hasn't played the outfield in a while, and put him back out there where I think that he ended the game. But, yeah, that was really the only option that you could have had. You couldn't have started any of those other players. Yeah. Yeah, and even if you do that, um, I mean, there was a play very early in this game, and it was probably early enough that maybe you don't um, make decisions based off it, but Verdugo made a big sliding catch early in this game that probably saved um, more runs, and if you put Schwarber in left field, I mean, he's not making that play, so um, there was give and take with any decision they were going to make, and... And Schwarber yeah, almost I mean, turned a uh, triple play at first. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was such a bizarre play. I still uh, never don't see like, like that. I I'm pretty sure he made the right play. He he did as well as he could have, but also he might have been able to get that out at home. Again, it yeah. doesn't really matter. And I think for especially for a guy who doesn't really play first base, I certainly was not upset with him at that play. But that was that was bizarre. Yeah, and you know, just to kind of, and you might be getting into this, but with Jordan Alvarez and him being at third at that point. I mean, we had shifted our outfield. The Red Sox had shifted their outfield all the way over towards left while they had the infield shifted over to the right side. And I'm just like, I can look at analytics a little bit, but that just seems way too extreme to me. And it cost them that second run. Alvarez should have been at second with a double on that, on that play. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, I, Get it? He has hurt. He has hurt them going the other way a few times in the series, um, and they so were playing without a right that, fielder. Yeah, but I mean that was way too extreme. I can see taking a few steps in that direction, maybe cheating away from the line a little bit. But sure. Renfro was literally not on the screen right. when they uh, panned over to the to the ball in right field. I mean that was just too much. And Alvarez earlier in that game made. Uh, I mean, it was, I guess, more to center field, but it was like right center field. He had pulled a ball with hard contact earlier in the game, so it's not like he's only done damage the other way. Um, yep. Yeah, that that seemed like a little bit, getting a little bit too cute, and obviously, like you said, that um, that really came back to bite them. And Alvarez, just in general, was incredible this whole series. Um, I mean, it's easy to say that they shouldn't have pitched to him, and there are a few times that they shouldn't have pitched to him, but also, this Astros lineup is really deep, and you can't afford to put a guy on every time he comes up i mean at some point you just got to get him out and the red sox literally could not get him out in this game yeah i think the only time you could make that argument was um when they had left sale in in the previous game when first base was open and there were other runners on but exactly you got correa and tucker and guriel behind him you can't just walk him when there's nobody on like it's barry bonds or something exactly he was unbelievable. He was, you know, some of those line drives, I thought he was going to kill someone at the end of the game, just going back up the middle, four for four again after the the three huge hits the game before. I mean, just unstoppable. And he is, you know, putting himself in the mix as a top 10 hitter in the league very quickly and 24 years old. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, not that we care too much about Astro strategy, but I am pretty interested to see what they do with him in National League parks and if he gets in the game and all that, that's gonna be Yeah. That's gonna be an interesting storyline for the World Series. Um so as far as the Red Sox pitching goes, um Nathan Valdi got the start. It was I mean it was Nathan Valdi. This is the guy just digs deep this time of year. It wasn't the best Nathan Valdi we've ever seen. Um he came out, his velocity was a little bit down to start. He had 
pitched um, in relief in game four, so he was only on a couple days of rest. Um, it was sort of his throw day. I don't know. That's I'm a little wary of how common that's becoming in baseball. It just seems like it's putting a lot of stress on these guys' arm. But Avaldi got into some early trouble, but I thought he really dialed in as the game went on. And then, I mean, the fourth was – was it the fourth or the fifth? He pitched out he... of the fourth and then got taken out in the fifth. Yeah. Yeah, the fourth inning felt like the big turning point. The Red Sox offense, again, made it all moot and couldn't pick up on the uh, momentum. But, I mean, he gets guys on second second and third with nobody out and then strikes out three in a row with an intentional walk mixed in. I mean, that was he was hitting 98 in that inning. That was kind of quintessential playoff um, playoff Nathan Evaldi, and it feels, it feels like a waste that we're not going to be able to look back at that inning um, with anything other than just kind of desire for what could have been because that if they had I think John Tomasi tweeted out I mean if if they had picked up on that momentum and went to the World Series um, we would have been looking back at that inning as sort of the swing point for it I know and you know you mentioned him being on two days rest but he's, he was averaging about 97 with the fastball so it didn't seem to affect him a whole lot I'm guessing that they didn't want to have him go the third time through and you know we can talk about the the third time through and why we did uh, the Red Sox did that the previous game uh with Sale and then did not allow Evaldi to do that here um I think when you make that decision especially with your ace pitcher and you have a limited bullpen it's just I feel like you have to pick and choose who you're going to do that with I get it with a, a Tanner Houck during the season but um you know, eventually you get to the eighth inning and Adam Adovino is out there at that point because you've cycled through all of those pitchers. So I it's it was a tough decision in the fifth. It ended up working out as Taylor pitched well, but, you know, if that can be the next time through, if that can be the seventh inning that Taylor is facing uh, Brantley and Alvarez, um, you know, you don't know what would have happened there. But in terms of how Ivaldi pitched, I thought that he got it out you're right, he was great with those three strikeouts in a row in the fourth. That could have been – I thought that was going to get them hyped at that point. I really felt yeah. that the bats were going to come around after that spot in the fourth. So, um, But, you know, those were those were tough pitches, and Cora made the decision to pull him on the third time through. Yeah, I actually – to be honest, I didn't really have a big problem with it. Um, yeah. I'm sure it was the third time through, but even – I mean, to me, it just – it seemed he was still pitching okay, but it did seem like the stuff was kind of dropping a little bit. He gave up a line drive single to Martin Maldonado, which is never a great sign when you're coming back up against the top of the order. I think it was just mostly that he had just pitched a couple of days before and they've been leaning on him um, so much in the postseason. I think they kind of went in, and especially after that fourth inning, which was as high stress an inning as it gets, um, I think they he had basically emptied the tank. Um, that was sort of my read on it. Yeah. Um, so that the the pitching decision that I had an issue with was in the ninth. Uh, Red Sox, or I'm sorry, in the eighth, uh, they didn't pitch in the ninth, obviously. Uh, Red Sox went down two nothing at that point, and I mean that seemed like it was a no brainer to me to bring Whitlock in. Um, yeah. Again, as we said a million times, the offense, it, nothing matters if the offense doesn't score and they never got anything going, but. It was almost certainly the last game of the season, and Whitlock didn't get in, um, and they gave up three more runs. And Like you said earlier, I mean, anything can happen 
I mean, any little event can change the rest of the game. And who knows what the offense looks like if they're only down two as opposed to being down five, and it's basically hopeless at that point. Um, so it seems strange to not let Whitlock in. It was it feels a little silly getting too upset about it for all the reasons that we've already talked about. But um, yeah, just yeah, we need something to talk about. Yeah, I mean, going down without <laughs> your best pitcher, it just that seems like managing one hundred and one. Yeah, I mean, he had two days off coming into the game. He had four of the last five days off, and before that, there was three or four days in between the series. So he had only thrown and. He had thrown twice in the last 10 days. So this was not a matter of, um, you know, babying Whitlock or managing his innings. He He's not thrown a lot in the last week and a half. So, right, I, I looked at it as I would want to use Taylor and Hauk and Whitlock as the three relievers. And if it's yeah. beyond that, then it should have been a starter because there is no tomorrow. So yeah. you got to go down with your best, with your best pitcher. I think of... Francona in elimination games when they were losing, he would bring Papelbon in if they were down a couple runs in the seventh and eighth inning. Because what do you have to lose? And there's no game tomorrow if it doesn't work out. And that was, I totally agree. That was exactly what happened. I mean, sure it was a minute made home run with with Tucker there in the the bottom of the eighth uh, with that left field porch. But still, I I don't think that it would have been um, as likely to happen with Whitlock. I just. Adovino had nothing in the tank the last couple months of the season, I didn't think. Yeah, I mean, Adovino is fine for like a one-off matchup or something like that, but I mean, that's a situation where, like you said, if they do come back and go to extras and you have to go to different pitchers, I agree, you go to one of your starters, but like that's where Adovino, that's Adovino territory is in that emergency, not before Whitlock. So, Um, yeah, Cora... It seemed like Cora was trying to play with that same magic he had in 2018, and it just, it just sort of ran out. Strange decisions like pinch hitting Danny Santana and using Martin Perez in one run games. Um, yeah, that sort of stuff just came back to bite them. And I mean, I, I'm not certainly not putting the series on Cora first and foremost. I mean, it's the offense just going cold, and like you said, I don't want to um, take the credit away from the Astros. They pitched extremely well in those last few games, but there were some head scratchers from Cora to be sure. Yeah, I thought in games one and four, when they were down, you know, a run in the final inning, that he was kind of playing for tomorrow. Uh, And then there was no tomorrow, as we just said here. So when they got behind by a run, it just seemed like they weren't that aggressive. And it wasn't in scenarios where any of the pitchers that he might have been bringing in were getting overworked. At least I didn't see it that way. So it was strange. It seemed a little out of character. I agree that I don't put the series on him by any means. It was, I think Houston was the better team coming in. They're the team that I thought was going to win the World Series entering the playoffs. So I'm not surprised by this result, but there are some things that I look back at that just were head scratchers. Yeah. And the last one um, that I can think of that we haven't mentioned yet, uh, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but um, Alex Verdugo getting caught on a strike him out, throw him out. Um, on the eighth, I believe, um, with Travis Shaw at the plate. That was, or sorry, that was the seventh. Um, yeah, ends the inning. It was a full count, so it's not totally unheard of for a guy to run, but it was a perfect throw from Maldonado and Verdugo. They showed a replay. He was in the middle of taking his lead and was not really in the position where you want to be athletically. Um, 
to make your break for second base and it was a perfect throw and it got him and I think a lot of people got on Cora for making that decision and I get it it was risky but um I think first of all we don't know that it was Cora if anybody is going to make that move on their own it's Alex Verdugo um and second of all I mean if Verdugo was in a position to be stealing if he was in an actual athletic position and um ready to steal he's probably safe so um i didn't really have a major issue with the decision it just didn't work out i had a a major issue with verdugo not really being ready to steal and that it took a perfect um perfect throw perfect everything from maldonado and they showed his, his pop time which was just crazy and that was probably the difference and there's a difference with verdugo between having speed and being a good base runner which he is not and we've seen time and time again um i don't know whether it's a lack of focus sometimes but he wasn't ready there and that's as, as simple as that i think you could probably look at shaw not really being a great contact hitter uh and had not had a ton of at bats lately but he was trying to make something happen you you take risks and he took a risk there it didn't work out tried to play a percentage play there with a three two count one out that is a time that that you try to steal a base and get the guy into scoring position where a hit would tie the game um it wasn't a crazy move in my opinion it didn't work out i hated to see the replay though yeah, and I mean, honestly, Verdugo can just not go, too. Like, if he knows he's not in a position to get it's the best jump, jump, I mean, he, yep. can just, he can just stay, obviously. That's not, uh, manager's not going to have a problem with that. But, yeah, I mean, that was that was the other one. Um, anything else from this game that I haven't touched on yet? No, I think, uh, I think you pretty much nailed everything there. I only other note I had was the... The 0-2 pitch uh, to Jordan Alvarez earlier in the game that, um, you know, Ivaldi kind of left over the yeah. play, and it just seemed like they really threw. They they didn't adjust a whole lot. They seemed to just allow him to get uh, his bat extended, uh, yeah. whether it was missed locations. But I just I felt like an adjustment needed to be made with him, not intentionally walking, but once he got four, five, six, seven hits in a row, um, they were kind of just continuing to throw him fastballs, and I just would have done something else with the pitch sequencing there because he was uh, absolutely killing the Red Sox. And that was my my only other thought was just a lack of adjustment with him, uh, who I assume is holding up a MVP trophy right now. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I haven't actually. I turned off the FS1 as soon as the game ended, so I don't yeah. know. But I would be totally shocked if anybody else. Um, got that MVP and it is it is a well-deserved um assuming that he did get it because he like you said he was incredible but um yeah I think that's gonna do it for this one um pretty disappointing ending we're gonna be back with you at some point we haven't nailed an exact schedule but we'll have a more upbeat podcast at some point relatively soon about the season as a whole um obviously this was a successful season but right off the heels of a loss things are a little bit disappointing um but that'll do it for this one so i do hope you guys enjoyed the show today uh if you did please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts um if applicable please leave a rating or a review and uh you can follow us on twitter i run the over the monster account at over the monster and bob is at bob osgood 15 and uh yeah we will be back with you at a date to be determined later